Hello, friend and colleague. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music on the podcast today, episode 137. Meredith Colby is sharing her neurovocal method and how she uses this when working with contemporary singers. Technology expert to Kenya Battle is helping us busy teachers with digital productivity hacks. And vocologist Dr. Heather Nelson is talking about the vagus nerve. This is part one of two. Vocal pedagogy, productivity, and anatomy on this episode of the Full Voice Podcast. Hello, thank you, and welcome to another episode of the Full Voice Podcast. I hope you are keeping well. I have a really fantastic show, wonderful guests, as always. Uh, Before we get started, I just want to shout out to all the teachers out there holding space, whether you are teaching online, whether you are teaching in person, wherever you are holding space for all of your students now and through this pandemic, I don't know if you need to hear this, but the work you are doing is so important. Meeting your students where they are at, giving them a safe space to explore singing in their voices. It is so important. Hang in there. Hang in there and do not forget to take care of yourself. I'm saying this uh, as I have been struggling with uh, some back pain and some uh, some soreness in my back. And part of that is because I have been sitting too much and now I'm paying for it. So make sure you take a break. Make sure you stretch. Make sure you go for a walk and take care of yourself. So don't, don't be a Nikki and sit and ignore things until they get so bad you have to go for help. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also wanted to, uh, I also wanted to mention to everybody a funny little story. So I was, um, uh, we got this really, uh, big snowstorm and, you know, Canadians were used to snowstorms. We still complain about them. Um, we have right now on our front lawn, we have about two and a half feet of snow and it's so funny. Yes, we use the metric system unless we're talking about snowfall, then we use, Uh, we use feet because that is way more dramatic when you're describing how much snow has fallen. So there's two and a half feet of snow on my front lawn. And what's really fun is the kids in my neighborhood, and some of them are my students. Um, actually, like there's three right right on my street, right like just two houses down from my street. They they built this amazing snow fort in the front yard like with tunnels and big walls and they're having a blast. I can hear them laughing and playing. Anyhow, I was going for a walk. I was walking down to the the post box and they didn't see me, but I could hear them singing the pretty itty bitty kitty unicorn song in their snow fort. And it made me smile and laugh. And it made me really thankful that I get to share my love of singing and have fun with these wonderful singers. So I hope that you have checked out our free resources page. Pretty Itty Bitty Kitty Unicorn warm up song is there. Uh, It's so much fun. If you've got littles, it's just a fun little tongue twister warm up and shout out to our 
good friend Donna Rodenizer for writing such an amazing little song for us. Um, now, uh, I'm excited to dive in to our show today. So my first guest is Meredith Colby, and she is uh, sharing her neurovocal method. She works with uh, contemporary singers, and she has a lot of fantastic strategies and insight for those of you who are looking, uh, who are working with uh, contemporary singers or microphone singers, as Meredith likes to call them. Um, this is going to be a great segment. And of course, uh, we also have to Kenya battle. If you are feeling a little spread, a little spread too thin, and you need some hacks, some productivity hacks, um, one of my indulgences is uh, listening to productivity podcasts. I always get great tips and learn to streamline my day. Um, but to Kenya Battle is going to give us some digital hacks so that we can duplicate ourselves. And of course, our good friend Heather Nelson is going to be talking about the vagus nerve. Oh, so interesting. But ladies and gentlemen, uh, here is our first First guest, Meredith Colby. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast. Meredith Colby, how are you today? Thank you, Nikki Loney. I am very well today, staying warm in my cold Chicago house. <laughs> Zero degrees Fahrenheit. You you got a blast of snow. So did we just yeah. the other day. Did you did, have you have you dug out? Um, yeah, actually, that's why I got married, so that right? somebody that's why else I would had do a the child. <laughs> <laughs> that is a terrible thing, Nikki Loney. Yes. Before we do anything else, can sure. I just say something to you? Uh, am I in that I, that I say out loud while I'm walking my dog and listening to your podcast? Oh, <laughs> sure, sure. But nobody can hear me. But now you can. I love how your podcast uh, contributes to a culture, and I think it's an ever-growing culture, of community and inclusion for voice educators. Oh, it's just you. so lovely. I love how you recognize and speak to all the things that we voice teachers experience, especially we independent voice teachers. Mm -hmm. It's you know we live in a different world. We you know we need to address all these things. On a weekly basis, you know, the pedagogy, the business, the marketing, the mental health, the client relations, you know, all this stuff. And I just, I just so appreciate you. And I just want to say that out loud. Oh, well, that, that I just really appreciate you. And I appreciate this podcast. And well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, that means a lot. And, you know, I have to say, uh, I have taken so much back to my teaching studio and to my local community. And I can't, I can't thank my guests enough for their time and sharing their, their expertise. And, uh, but thank you. I'm really, I, that, that, made my day. Thanks. Um, now today we have a very exciting topic. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. Um, we are talking about training voices for healthy singing of popular styles. And I, I, your website, um, meredithcolby.com, you have some fantastic information. And one of the things that I love is the term that you use and I want to talk about it. You use the term microphone singers. I love that. Can you can you explain why you use that term? Yes, I I, I really tried to go with the program with the CCM thing, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> because that's right? how voice teachers talk about it. But 
I feel that that's a very limiting term. It stands for contemporary commercial music. And the reality is that we don't all sing contemporary or commercial music. Right. Um, when you say pop, you we know that we mean popular music and that popular is all that is not classical. Yet when we communicate that to a non-voice teacher, they think we're talking about, you know, Britney Spears. So so that's a limiting term. We can say, you know, pop backslash rock. Again, where did did gospel and R&B go in that equation? Mm -hmm. Um, We can say contemporary, and contemporary is very subjective. You know, how contemporary are we talking? Exactly. (laughs) So... (laughs) Um, And also there's contemporary classical music, so that's not fair either. Uh, The common thread is the microphone, Mm -hmm. is that the microphone itself is part of the genre. Mm -hmm. When we talk about any of the contemporary or popular styles, we talk about gospel, R&B, rock, metal, any of them, folk. Mm -hmm. the, The microphone and the singer are a unit. They are together. And so to just be able to say microphone singing is very inclusive. Mm-hmm. And also it brings with it some aesthetic considerations that the classical or the acoustic singer does not have to consider. Oh, well put. That's that's an excellent. Can I can I share something silly with you? When when in our industry people started using CCM as a term, mm-hmm. I originally thought it was contemporary Christian music. I was like, where's all these these sacred contemporary teachers coming from? What is this new? <laughs> I was so confused by the term, and then it was clarified for me. But I love yeah. the microphone. I, I love the inclusivity of that, and and also appreciating that that uh, it's it, it is such a wide variety and so many different genres that that are included in that. Yes. And the the reality for us as voice teachers, I think, I think this is important to point out is that, so if you go to the sales of recorded music on any given year, since, uh, since there has been recorded music, the sales of recorded music have been kept. Mm -hmm. And if you look at those records, you will see that Classical music, the sales of classical music for the past at least 30 years is v- very consistently between 1% and 2% right. of recorded music sales. Mm. And that includes opera and classical singing. Mm. So that's all classical music. It's between 1% and 2% depending on the year. Right. It pretty much never goes over 2%. I've looked back 30 years. Okay. Never goes over 2%. The sales of music theater, or what they call stage singing, mm-hmm. is between 2 and 3% on any wow. given year. Really? So, like, it, it, it spiked when, when Wicked occurred. Mm. You know, it went all up to, like, 3%. That was huge. So if you look at what we, the voice teachers, tend to teach, classical and music theater, you see that it's, on a good year, it's 5% of all recorded music sales. That means that 95% of the interest in music, because <laughs> that's what it's, right? That's what it's measure, measuring, is the re- interest people have in music, what they are willing to pay for. Mm. Um, 95% of the interest is in microphone music. And we, as independent voice teachers, we know that. 
because over 95% of our students want either just plain old microphone music or contemporary music theater. Right. Right. Now, your we were talking prior to the the interview and and your story is is sadly a, a not not unique about studying classical but really wanting to discover other other sounds and and sing other music can you just can you just overview everybody for everybody what uh, your journey was yes i think it is really common that i i was a kid with a pretty voice who loved to sing and I started taking voice lessons because my parents gave me voice lessons. I don't remember whose idea it was, but <laughs> I remember my first voice teacher, I was 10. That didn't last very long. But I remember <laughs> I started voice lessons sort of in earnest at age 15 when most of our students, a lot of our students do. And they were classical. Mm. And I, I never listened to classical music except the stuff that came out of my own mouth. Mm-hmm. Then I went to college and I got more classical training. And then I found the studio music and jazz degree at the University of Miami. And I was so excited and so thrilled that I was going to get to study the kind of music that I wanted. And so I transferred to the University of Miami and for their studio music and jazz degree and got more classical training. Oh, so no. By the, <laughs> so by the time I ended my education, I had eight years of classical training, and I didn't want to sing classical music. I wanted to be a pop singer. Mm -hmm. Um, I was determined, so I went on the road with a pop band, and I trashed my voice. I stopped singing when I could no longer make any sound at all. Mm. And that took about nine months. And I can only imagine, in retrospect, how stupid I must have sounded. And (laughs) I have no idea why they did not fire me. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> With my classical training, you know, trying to sing top forty stuff. Mm. So anyway, that but that, although I I would not wish that on anyone, and that is what motive that that's my driver, right? That's mm-hmm. what motivates me. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Is I believe that artists having the the voice that shares their artistic vision, that shares their emotional state, that shares, connects with other people, that voice needs to be the right voice. And there are people who struggle their entire lives. I mean, I struggled for decades trying to find that voice. Mm-hmm. When did you, when did it change for you? When you, after you after you had the vocal problems, what was your rehabilitation like and your retraining like? Uh, Well, I had to, I took a long time off. I can't remember how long. Um, I took a long time off and stayed with my parents and had, you know, Reiki sessions and a gallon of water a day. And I actually did not speak for six weeks. Wow. Which was one of the most interesting experiences of my life. <laughs> um, I should have I should have blogged about it, but we didn't have blogs back then. Uh, and after that, I moved to Chicago and I studied with a teacher who taught speech level singing. Okay. He was the guy. You probably are too young to remember this, but do you remember up in the valley of the jolly green giant? 
You remember that? No. Anyway, know. he was a jingle singer here in Chicago. Oh, cool. And he was wonderful. Um, and it was the first time in my life I felt like I was actually singing. Wow. And then I became an evangelist. And here we are today. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, when, you, when you work, so right now you're working with teachers and you're, you're helping them to discover how they can find their, their students' true voice and help their students with microphone singing. But you're also working with students. So I want to talk about, I want to talk about students first. So when you have a student that comes to you, um, how do you honor their, their, how do you hold space for them? How do you honor finding their unique sound? One of the assumptions that we have, as we often have as teachers, is that we know the answer to how to sing. And one of the reasons we have that assumption when a student first comes to us is because that is where we came from. Mm. And we came from that because we learned classical or music theater. And classical and music theater are stage singing art forms. And the person who is singing opera or music theater is charged with being uh, true to the composer's intent. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, besides just as an opera singer, you have to be loud, but you also, (laughs) (laughs) but you are also needing to fulfill your role. Oh, as right. As Mm. the vehicle of the composer's music. Microphone singers don't have that. It's very different for them. And the pop aesthetics are defined by the artist themselves, by the individual. The singer is looking to accurately and honestly express themselves intentionally and in the moment. So that is a very different mindset. And I think when we as voice teachers are not necessarily aware of these very different mindsets, we will have a tendency to teach our pop singer as we would a music theater or classical singer. Like there is a way that there that is correct to sing. And that doesn't really apply. So what I have found in my 32 years of teaching this is that pop singers don't come to me asking me, how can I sing? They come to me saying, I have a problem. Mm, okay. They say, I already know how to sing. Mm. So, and I've had, I've had, you know, screaming metal guys. I've had, uh, you know, singer songwriters, um, diva girls who want to sing like Whitney. Um, (laughs) I, you know, I just have the gamut. They have a vision of themselves as singers and they have a problem they want help solving. Okay. And that problem is pretty much always one of three things. This is why they come to me, okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be clear about that. So they've come to me and they've said either I have pitch problems, right? So like right now, I have a guy who is a bass player and he wants to step forward and front his own band. He knows he has pitch problems because he's a good instrumentalist. Ah. <laughs> and he knows his voice isn't, you know, the pitch isn't, isn't where it needs to be. That's not okay with him as a musician, now, okay, I'm going to go off to this. I'm going to tangent, tangent a little bit here. In pop singing, that is his decision. 
there are people who are who do sing out of tune and they're fine with that. Right. And if that's fine with them, that's fine with them. Mm. You we don't get to say no you have to sing in tune because no you don't. Mm. I mean, you can tell me really any musical value and I will give you five famous singers who don't adhere to that musical value. Right. And that people love. Exactly. Because it is artist defined. It's not externally defined. Anyway, so pitch, um, fatigue, vocal fatigue. Right. Is a huge one. Mm -hmm. And their register break. Oh, yes. Right? So those are the three problems that bring people to me. And they Mm -hmm. describe it in different ways. But it always boils down to one of those three things. Mm -hmm. So that's where I start. I never start with, oh, we're going to fix up your singing. I start with, we're going to solve your problem. Nice. This is a solvable problem. And, and I always reassure them, so many people share this with you. This is very common. You know, voice teachers fix this kind of problem all the time. You're in good company. Mm-hmm. Very fixable. And, and just that. For pop singers, oh my gosh, just saying that is so powerful for them because they are on their own little island and it is the myth island that says great singers are born oh and if i was meant to sing i'd already be great right so the fact that they have come for voice lessons first of all is a huge leap and second of all very scary Mm. so the first thing they need to know is you're normal your voice is normal your aspirations are admirable. You can, we, I will help you find this voice that will express you accurately, that will help you be that artist that you want to be. Nice. And this really speaks to the, the comment that you see from a lot of people. And I've certainly gotten this when somebody has inquired about voice lessons. I'm looking for a teacher. I sing contemporary music. I don't want somebody changing my voice. And for me, that's always been like, I'm not interested in changing your voice, but that is what happens if we go to the wrong teacher. Exactly. And that is their fear. That is their fear. I cannot tell you how many people I have had over the years who who I'm their second or third teacher because they're really determined to solve their problem. And that I, this, is, this is worth saying because many contemporary singers, many microphone singers are so afraid of going to a voice lesson to help ask someone to help them solve their problem that they will just dip their toe in once. And if yes. it's too scary, it's never going to happen again. Yes. They will absolutely. never look again. Mm-hmm. And so you have to really create a safe environment for them. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've had people who have come to me and said, I went to this voice teacher, but she tried to make me sing blah, blah, blah. So in other words, this person, whether they were music theater or classically trained, they were people who didn't really question where they came from. Right. And they didn't really have an understanding of the culture and the aesthetics of mm. the contemporary or the microphone singer. Mm. Mm. So good. So they just said, oh, you want voice lessons? Here's what voice lessons look like. Right. Boom. Right. And, and let's face it, if it is a classical person, that means changing your sound. Absolutely. Yeah. And they don't want that. And yeah, the, class, the contemporary singer doesn't want their singing changed. They want their problem solved. Mm. 
so good. Uh, now I want to move into how you work with voice teachers. So you must have a lot of voice teachers who are recognizing that the master apprentice approach is no longer uh, a, a, a way of running their studios and that they are trying to create safe spaces and welcome in more singers. How, how do you work with teachers when they come in with their stories and their vocal journeys that are so personal to them? How do you break them in and let them know that there's another way? Yeah. Isn't it nice? <laughs> Isn't it nice that we can share so much now? Thank you, the internet. <laughs> I, I mean, the groups on Facebook, can you even imagine that 20 years ago? People were so competitive and shielded, and now we're just like, hey, rising tide raises all ships. Let's do it, people. Mm. I love all the smartness I can learn from. <laughs> and I think that the people who come to me for... Are you talking about the private lessons or the classes? Uh, either. Either. Okay. I think the people who come to me for private lessons are people who have experienced me in some other format and have ascertained that I will make a safe space for them. Nice. That I will respect their journey. Mm -hmm. I think so. For the classes, I don't know why people take my classes. I, I love that they do. Mm -hmm. The kind of people who take my classes are amazeballs, as Shannon Coates likes to say. Um, <laughs> I love them. They're smart and they're good singers and they are compassionate people. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing to attract them, but they're amazing. That's awesome. Now, I would love, I am curious, um, you use the term neurovocal method, and you run um, courses and you do presentations on this. Can you explain to people uh, what this is and, and the science behind it? Yeah, well, I can try. <laughs> I, now, I do need to make clear, I am not a scientist. I'm not even a proper researcher. If you want a proper researcher, you have to look to Heidi Moss or Lynn Helby. Fair. <laughs> they are amazing, aren't they? And they're bringing so much to the voice community. I'm so grateful. Um, but I am science-y. I'm a science nerd. Love it. And... If you think about singing as, as an entire neurological function, it recruits many different areas of the brain. In fact, it's, it makes your brain unbelievably busy mm -hmm. to sing. Mm -hmm. It's language, hearing, uh, speaking. It is emotion and motor skills and sensory skills and auditory skills. It just, you know, it reaches all over the neurological map and and recruits all these different areas it's really interesting and it's impossible to understand and part of the reason it's impossible to understand and this is not science is because it's partly not science and <laughs> let me go into that for just a moment which is to say that science all science is about observing from the outside and looking in right observing and measuring that's how we do science and various various different versions of that but overall we observe and we measure and that's what science is but singing begins with an intention mm. an intention arises from consciousness and we don't know what consciousness is mm. mm -hmm. so that's the big fly in the science ointment if mm. you will mm-hmm 
What I focus on is the simple motor skill of singing. The simple motor skill of phonating. All air-breathing animals have some version of vocal folds, something that is analogous to vocal folds, which is the thing which keeps junk out of our lungs. Mm. And when we blow air through them, we get to make sound. And because of our particular evolutionary path, we've been able to turn that sound into communication and even what we call an art form of singing. Mm -hmm. It is, if you think about the craziness of that, you will be just like humbled (laughs) By what what are the odds that's going to happen? It's it's not only is it, you know, the fro- it's not the frosting on the cake, it's the sprinkles on the frosting on the cake. Hmm. It's just it's an amazing thing that we're able to do. And what I'm finding is or what I have found and continue to find is that the more we go down through the cake to the plate the cake is sitting on, right? The simple motor skill of blowing air through the folds to create sound in the most efficient way possible. A sound which is not connected to a musical value, not connected to an aesthetic value. Mm. When we can do that, we create a, a behavior, a laryngeal behavior, which is magical. I don't even know how else to say it. Um, one of my, I was, I was coaching a teacher last week, and she said, "It's so small, and it's so huge." <laughs> and that I just thought that was such a great, succinct way of saying it. Um, another one of my other students, who was a blues singer, a touring blues singer, great guy, he was talking about how he feels like I'm Mr. Miyagi from the <laughs> wax on, wax off, <laughs> wax on, wax off. Nice. He's like. We don't sing. We just do these weird things, and then I go out and I sing. He used to be fatigued after one gig, and then, mm-hmm. which was not okay. As a blues singer, you have to do, you know, really. First of all, you have to do long gigs, That's and right. second of all, you may have to do four gigs in a weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so getting tired after one gig was not okay. And we're doing these simple exercises. And he says, I don't know what we're doing, but I can do four gigs in a weekend. I still have gas in the tank. That's awesome. And and if you say, well, what's the science of it? Gosh, I wish I knew. (laughs) Like, I love to talk about motor function and how we create these motor memories in our brains and how, I mean, in my classes, I talk about how we create this motor memory of singing in our brains and how once we have created that motor memory, it's really hard to disrupt it. The reason being that it responds to our intention, And there's that consciousness intention thing. But that motor memory responds to our intention. So we have this intention, I'm going to sing. And this motor memory, which we have created over thousands of hours, and we are very clear about what it is. And that is true whether you are a professional opera singer or a 15-year-old kid who's been singing in their bedroom. You have a very strong motor memory that responds to the command, sing. And it opens about 100 milliseconds before you take any kind of actual physical action. Now, 100 milliseconds, you might say, well, that's nothing, you know, and you'd be right. It is nothing, but it doesn't matter how long it is. What matters is the fact that it happened before you took any action. So what that means is once I am singing, I've already opened that file. I'm already in my existing motor memory of how singing feels to me. 
my experience of singing. And so if I want to disrupt, if I want to change my singing, I need to disrupt that motor memory. If I'm going to try to disrupt that motor memory while I'm singing, it's going to take forever. And I am impatient and lazy <laughs> and happy to say it. So that was one of my motivators. Uh, one of my big motivators was that people needed their problems solved right away, mm -hmm. that it needed to be healthy. And so as long as we are, once I figured out that you can't change singing while you're singing or that it takes way too long, mm -hmm. then I started to figure out how to go in the back door to do that, how to get people to change the manner in which they are phonating in order to get a different laryngeal outcome, which of course a sonic outcome follows that, but that's not my focus because in in popular singing, the sonic outcome is not that important, mm -hmm. right? That's because we're not point. trying to be beautiful. We're trying to be honest. Right. So um, I, I don't have to help somebody achieve a particular aesthetic outcome. I need to help them solve their problem and achieve a, an artistic outcome. Can I just, I just want to interject. That is so challenging for teachers because we have opinions about what is a beautiful sound and uh, I know that um, uh, I know that I've had that conversation with, with some of my friends and colleagues about even just about a breathy sound so to my classically trained friends you know, the breathy sound is this dysfunctional thing. And they ask me what's wrong with my vocal folds. It's like, dudes, this is what paid for my house. This is a sound that is worth its weight in gold in the genres in which I perform. But it's amazing, though, because we we I know I catch myself doing that all the time. I hear a sound and I think I have to fix it. So this is really interesting to think about. Um could you, because we're talking about, we're talking about um, vocal exercises that aren't really based on creating beautiful sounds. Could you give us an example? You have a, you've listed one here, breathe and buzz. Can we, mm -hmm. can we dive into that? Yeah, I wanted to do th that one, Nikki, because it, it's sort of this fundamental exercise that demonstrates what I'm talking about in terms of going in the back door. It also will demonstrate to anybody trying to do it how difficult it is. So mm. it's very easy for me to say, I want you to just make a sound that has a particular feeling and that is free of aesthetic value <laughs> sure. or musical value. And, but as soon as we hear ourselves making a pitch, we tend to try to put aesthetic value on that. Yep. So it really takes some getting, getting the hang of, mm -hmm. if you will. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what we're looking for is a feeling and this feeling creates a sound, which is in all popular singing. Mm -hmm. It is so ubiquitous that if a singer does not have this sound, they are known by the absence of this sound mm, Okay. in popular singing. And what this does, and I'll just explain it ahead of time for the, this, this is voice teacher audience, I'm assuming. Of yes, course, right? So, yes. okay, voice teacher audience. So what we're going to do is we're going to hum on an N like Nancy. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So normally when you hum, you hum on an M like Mary. We're going to hum on an N like Nancy. When you hum on an N like Nancy, you open the velopharyngeal port. Mm. In other words, you make your, your pharynx one tube. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't cut off the nasopharynx from the oropharynx. You just have this tube, forces the air into the nasopharynx and, of course, by definition, also into the nasal cavities. And so you feel a buzzy feeling. So, so I'm going to ask you to do this, Nikki, for me. Will you be my okay. guinea pig here? Sure, sure. I, I'm, okay, I'm so will it. you, on a, on a comfortable speech-like pitch, will you hum on an N like Nancy? Okay, so I'm going to go. Actually, you know what? Why don't you say the first half of the word honey? Say hun, Ooh. H-U-N. So like hun. Okay, so right away I asked you to make a pitch and you went to a fancy singing pitch. I did, because I'm on you my You didn't podcast. mean to. Oh, no, I did mean to. <laughs> oh, you did mean to. Okay. okay. Well, I'm going to say, would you please do that in a lower pitch? Oh, what sure. I would yes, really yes. like is just a really... Um, a really basic kind of CT, uh, I mean, TA phonation. TA phonation, okay. Hun- okay, now notice how it feels. Bring yeah. your attention to the front of your face. Try okay. it. Hun- you feel it? I'm Groovy. nodding. <laughs> I love it. Okay, good. Now, are you feeling it in a general way or in a specific way? Can you point to it? Is it local? Uh, I feel it like, I feel it like, uh, hard palate. On your hard palate? Okay. Yeah. Right. So there's no, and the, and there's no value here. It's just like wherever you feel, if, mm-hmm. if you can feel it, great. Let's mm-hmm. use that. Okay. So now I'd like you to do that one more time. Mm-hmm. And this time I want you to shift your intention from the pitch to that feeling. So mm-hmm. your intention before you phonate is, I would like to recreate that feeling I just noticed. Mm. Okay. All right. Here we go. Do you feel it? I do. Let's make my my nose all tiggly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. Um, Now I'm going to ask you to do something else, and this is a little silly, okay? Okay. You work with little kids. (laughs) I want you to do this as though you have a bad attitude, okay? Quietly and with a bad attitude. Give me a sneer. Complain to me a little bit. (laughs) Okay. With with the hun? All right. Hun, yeah. Okay. Hun. So now you're noticing that you have a much more present experience of that vibration, Mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Are you still feeling it in the roof of your mouth or has it changed its its location? No, it's changed. It's now like around my nose and I can feel it up the, you know, and around the cheeks, behind the nose. Yeah. All right. So do it again. Okay. Here we go. Give me me the sneer. With the sneer. All right. My eldest sneer. sneer. Okay. Here we go. Hun. Too fancy. You're still singing. Give me the sing- give me the bad attitude. Don't work too hard. Be lazy and have a bad attitude. How do you like that for instructions? There you go. <laughs> now go half step up. Look for that same feeling. And go half step up. Look for that same feeling. Take a breath. Go half step up. Look for that same feeling. Stay lazy. Take a breath. 
you're lazy. You're working hard. Okay, go another half step up. Oh, man. Okay, good. So now you notice about this sound that it's not a, it's not a particularly beautiful sound. No. Um, but it, it encompasses an element that is in, as I said, that is in all popular singing, which mm-hmm. is that open face sound, yes. right? That the, the sound is very, very forward. Mm-hmm. You will notice too about this sound that you just made is that you're, you're having really no experience of your own larynx at all. Yeah, it doesn't, you don't, you're not focused on that at all. Yeah, and, and as I'm listening to you, I can hear that the phonation is really efficient, mm-hmm. right? So you, you, you're not imposing any aesthetics on your larynx. Right. You're just letting it phonate. And you probably also noticed that your tummy was engaged, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what happens is that as it is your intention to experience this feeling in your face, mm-hmm. you have all these other physiological realities that line up underneath that that becomes healthy phonation Mm. and healthy phonation being the basis of healthy singing. This is interesting because of course, as I'm going through this, I'm thinking of a whole bunch of students in my studio who work so hard to get certain sounds and you, you spend all this time trying to get them just to, just to sing, but there's so much extra work coming in the, 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 tongue tension the jaw tension the neck and the in the pointing of the chin where they need to sing and it's interesting it's interesting to just take an exercise that just is so simple and just you're not trying to create a nice sound that's very yeah no you're not and the the other thing about this is when you approach singing from this really basic phonation place it forces the singer to listen to their body and that was one of the motivating factors for me in, in developing this way of teaching is because when you are a microphone singer, and you know this, when you're a microphone singer, you can't hear yourself. That's true. Right? It, I mean, in a live situation. In, in a studio, you can. But in a live situation, if you can hear your own pitch, you're doing great. Right. If you can pick out your voice from the other three voices coming out of the monitor, you're doing great. Mm-hmm. Right? But you're not going to be able to get any tonal information. And so trying to affect your own tone based on what you hear standing in the middle of a five-piece rhythm section is insanity. <laughs> and it's also a really short path to vocal misuse and, and unhealthy voice behavior, you know? It's not going to have a good outcome. So if, if a singer can learn to feel what they are singing and have that be their default, then they're going to be much more apt to be able to sing night after night after night and not inflict any vocal damage on themselves. That is very interesting. It is interesting, isn't it? Now, where can people find you? You've, you do broadcasts on Facebook. So let everybody know where they can find you. Yes, I am at MeredithColby.com. My Facebook page is NeuroVocalMethod.MeredithColby. I'm just the queen of catchy titles, aren't I? <laughs> But if you look up Meredith Colby on Facebook, it will lead you to neurovocalmethod.meredithcolby. And that's where my Facebook broadcasts are on Mondays at 1 o'clock Central, 2 o'clock your time. Uh, Tell us about your book, uh, Money Notes. My book, Money Notes, was published uh, three years ago now. It is called Money Notes, How to Sing High, Loud, Healthy, and Forever. It's available on my website and at amazon.com. 
in paper and e-version. Beautiful. And it introduces neurovocal method. It has pictures of my brain in it. Ooh, that's which is kind of fancy. Cool. <laughs> Yes. Well, Meredith, I want to thank you so much for your time. And on our show notes, we are going to put links to your book and to your website so that teachers can reach out. I'm also going to put a link to your Facebook page so our listeners can check out your Monday broadcast. Oh, great. Thank you. uh, Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and for being on our podcast. Nikki, thank you for having me on your broadcast. It's been really fun. I'm really thrilled, and I love the work that you do. I so appreciate you. A very special thank you to Meredith. Please check the show notes for links to Meredith's Facebook page as well as her website. If you are a private music teacher, you are probably wearing many many hats. Well, our technology expert and enthusiast at Kenyon Battle has some strategies for ways that we can digitally duplicate ourselves and save ourselves some time. Welcome back to the podcast, our technology expert to Kenya Battle. How are you? I'm feeling sprinkly and sparkly. How about you? I'm great. And I know this is an audio podcast, so people can't see this, but I'm going to let them know. When you come into my Zoom room, you are all smiles. You are all like the energy that you exude is just so wonderful. And I think I've mentioned this to you before, but I'm going to tell all our listeners. Um, So my husband, Sean, does all the editing and he just loves your energy. So he always, whenever he's editing... Um, your segments. He's like, that to Kenya, she's so, she's just so positive and up. And like, I'm not offended, but I'm kind of offended that he never says anything like that about me. <laughs> but he does seem to really enjoy your segments. So thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yes, I've got a fan. Yes. I think you have more than one fan. I think you have many fans. Um, So (laughs) I want to bring everybody's attention um, to Kenya's website. So helpful. uh, Keyofeasy.com. She helps uh, music professionals, music teachers to really make peace and uh, rock the technology in your teaching studio. And now more than ever, ever do we need to stay on top of that but as as i can certainly attest it's not easy um to and not not often do we have the time to check out a new platform or check out something new i mean i you know i there's i've got a list of things that i want to start playing with but when i have time to do that i don't know so it's always great to talk to somebody that's done the work for <laughs> So, but we have a really interesting topic and I'm very interested in this because I often say to my family, you know, I can't clone myself. So you guys are going to have to help me out here. Um, But we're talking about three ways to digitally duplicate yourself. So I need you to explain this. I'm very excited. I think you might solve all my life problems right now. Well, you know, sometimes... For my kids, you know, I've, I've got three kids in the house and I'm just like, mommy doesn't have a stunt double. 
I'm stealing you know, that. <laughs> mommy does. I cannot do this right now. Mommy doesn't have a stunt double. You're going to have to figure it out all by yourself. Mm. Okay. Well, for music lessons, you can have a stunt double. You can digitally duplicate yourself so that your students will be able to access you or a version of yourself mm. at their convenience. So you can be at the beach and they can still be getting a lesson somewhere. Because uh-huh. that's goals for me. Like, I'm going to be at the beach. Go ahead and get your lesson, baby. I'm at the beach. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> okay. You, everybody is now on the edge of their seat waiting to hear what's going on. It's it's not as complicated as we, you know, how we kind of, you know, we'll overthink things and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, I must do this great grind thing. And it, it's really when you start doing it, it's like, oh, that was nothing. That's what these kinds of things are. OK, so, yeah, like, okay, I don't know what she's talking <laughs> about, but here we go. So some ways you can digitally duplicate yourself. A quarter note is going to be a quarter note yesterday, today and tomorrow. These things that you know you have to say over and over and over again, go ahead and put it on video. Just make yourself a little quick old video. Mm. Use your phone. The quality of phone recordings is top notch. You don't have to make any adjustments or make sure it's 1080 DPI and don't even worry. Use your phone and get going. Okay. Mm. Stop making excuses. Get it done. It will take you, take an hour out of your week. And record the same things that you say all the time to your students. Mm. So you can use your phone to digitally duplicate yourself by recording a video. Put that thing on my music staff. Put that thing on YouTube. Put that thing on your website. Put that thing in an email to your brand new students and welcome them to your studio. What a great idea. Another way you can digitally duplicate yourself, Google Drive. This is like free and accessible already y'all those tools are right there you can use google drive google sheets google slides google docs keynote notes jamboard um, yeah yahtzee there's just like so many ways (laughs) (laughs) these are things that you already have access to so Mm -hmm. if you don't want to pay for another something use the tools that you already have Mm -hmm. um Another thing you can use is Evernote. That's Ah. something that lasts forever. I love me some Evernote. Oh, yeah. And whatever your studio management software system is. So if you're using my music staff or Tanara, or if you're you're using a platform that you're already like booking your students through, how's those lessons there? Mm -hmm. Some cool things about being able to do that. This is where you get your freedom from, right? We're about to reclaim our time because, mm-hmm. you know, what we're not about to do in 2021 is do things like what we're doing them in 2020. We're not about ah, to do that. Nice. So this for me, it eliminates the need for makeups and rescheduling woes. I don't have to worry about bad weather. I can still get my vacay time in. Mm-hmm. If I have a family emergency, I can still get those lessons taught. For example, you know, right now in the great state of Texas, everything is pretty much paralyzed, but... I've still been able to give my students the lessons that they've already paid for in advance. I'm not missing a beat. Why? Because I've digitally duplicated myself. (laughs) They've got that access already. They're not missing anything. I love it. I love it. You know, I want to thank you for bringing this up. I wanted to, I wanted to just share with you. um, I have had Google drive forever and my husband's been bugging me to use it. And I don't know why, I don't know why to Kenya. I was just like, yeah, yeah. Google drive, whatever. And then my, my collaborator, Mim, she's like, 
you know, I was like, oh, I'll put it in the Dropbox or I'll do this. She's like, just use your Google Drive. And so I was finally forced into using it. And now it is actually such a useful tool for our entire team. And I don't know why I was such a silly and was fighting it. I don't know why I did that. And I think also with the platforms, like I love my music staff. I know a lot of my colleagues use my music staff, but I love your idea about recording some 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 lessons and some videos or a welcome to the studio video. I think that's a brilliant idea. Um, and again, I don't think we all use those platforms to their full potential. We're just you. We're just you know the tip of the iceberg with those services. So thank you for these reminders. Um, I uh, I really appreciate that. You know, one of the things that I started to do was the. Um, using uh, um, Google email templates. So, so for example, right, right. So right now I'm not taking any new students and, but I have a list of teachers that I'm happy to refer to. So I typed up a, a, a Google template that said, thank you for reaching out. You know, voice lessons are amazing. Unfortunately, I'm not available, but here's a list of my colleagues who uh, m- might be able to welcome your student in. And when I get those emails, I just send out my template. I don't have to type anything. And it's like, boom, 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 boom. I absolutely love being able to do something once and just being able to benefit from having to just do it once. It's Mm -hmm. already done. This has come in handy for me, too, because the name of my studio has the name of an African country in it. So sometimes (laughs) I get like, hi, I'm looking for lessons. I'm here in Nairobi. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm not in Nairobi. However... I actually know people in Kenya. Oh, wow. (laughs) They own a music studio. And so I always, I have a template that I reference the studio in Kenya. So hilarious. But the, but it's true. We get asked the same questions. We get asked the same, like that we teach the same lessons over and over. You are correct. We don't need to do that. And we can make, we can make our lives so much easier. Oh, to Kenya, thank you. Your tech tips are always so inspiring and so helpful. And you are our full voice podcast technology expert. We will have you back, my friend. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. I look forward to it every time. Dr. Heather Nelson returns to the podcast with another fantastic segment. This one is all about the vagus nerve. Welcome back to the Full Voice Podcast. Dr. Heather Nelson, how are you? I'm a little cold, not going to lie. <laughs> it's been very cold where I am, but the sun is shining. It's a gorgeous day. Okay, so you're in Springfield, Missouri. Missouri. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got about, our nights have been about minus 20 Celsius. What are yeah. you guys? So we've, ha- we've been in an unusually cold snap. We have not been above the freezing mark for about two weeks now. Um, and so our nights have been, of course I'm Fahrenheit and I, I cannot do the math fast in my head. (laughs) It's all good. We've been in the single digits Fahrenheit, um, overnight for a while. And then wind chills have been about negative 20, negative 15 or something like that. So, um, it's been, 
I, I mean, I'm a summer girl, so I've been cranky since October. <laughs> right. I feel I feel like I need to send all my friends down in the States because we. I was talking to our technology expert to Kenya. She's in Texas and they're dealing with snow like they their yeah. whole state has been immobilized with the snow. I feel uh-huh. like I need to send like I feel like I need to send care packages with hats and scarves and mitts like to all <laughs> my my friends in the U.S. Like I think that might be a. I think we would take them. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm so happy that you're here and uh, you're going to warm our brains. That's what I'm going to say with great sure. knowledge. I love how you uh, are able to take um, anatomy and science and, and just kind of break it down for us. You do these really interesting and I really appreciate it these five minute master classes um and some of them are longer some of them are longer but you do these really short sweet master classes I find them so helpful sometimes it's a review of information mm-hmm. that we might have learned way back in the day and some of it is like sometimes I I always learn something new and I can take it back to my studio so Today, I'm so excited. We're talking about the vagus nerve. Yes. Oh, and okay, you nobody can see this, but Heather's face just lit up <laughs> and she got this huge smile on her face because this is something that you love. You love talking about this stuff. I do. I love I love brains because, you know, all singing starts in the brain. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, by focusing on on what happens neurologically, I think we can really gain a lot of insight into why our voices tend to react in certain ways. And I think we're going to get into that a little bit with the vagus nerve. But I mean, it's just so dang fun. Our bodies are so <laughs> fascinating. I, I'm, I'm never bored when I learn about the body. I love it. I love your passion for this. So where do we start? Where do we start with this? Because it's quite something. It's very it complex. <laughs> it, it is quite something. And so um, I think we might actually do this in two parts because um, rather than just getting into the vagus nerve itself, I think I want to kind of lay the foundation a little bit and like sure. where it where it um, where it is in the grand scheme of things. So mm-hmm. um, let's just kind of get to the basics of it first. The vagus nerve is one of the 12 cranial nerves. Mm-hmm. And so... Our, our nervous system is essentially divided into two big parts. We have our central nervous system, which is the brain and the spinal cord, and then the peripheral nervous system, which is everything that's outside of that. Okay. So um, the vagus nerve is part of the peripheral nervous system, but it originates in the brain, in, mm. like in the brain stem. Okay. And so there are 12 of these cranial nerves. And the thing that's really, really cool is that all of these cranial nerves, except maybe one, um, has a, a part in our singing because we sing with our entire bodies. And so our cranial nerves, so many of them go to our facial expressions and uh, one of them controls the tongue. Um, one of them controls our hearing wow. and our and our eyes. The only one that really doesn't have any, any kind of action as far as our singing is probably the olfactory, which is our smell. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Good you to know. know. And, I mean, I maybe you have some some uh, smell memories of like <laughs> like I remember when my um, when I was in college, my um, my voice teacher was a coffee fanatic. So every time I walked into his studio, I got that whiff of coffee. Oh, and so 
So there is a little bit of a smell memory in my singing with with some songs that I had from my college days. But most of this, most of our, our other cranial nerves have something to do with our singing, you know, including like our balance. Mm. Um, you know, there are three cranial nerves that, it, that just control our eye movement, you know, that it's so complex. And so the vagus nerve is part of that. If you Google cranial nerves, you'll notice that they're numbered using Roman numerals. And so... Um, uh, the vagus is cranial nerve 10, and so it's often abbreviated capital C-N-X, like Roman oh, numeral okay. 10. And so most cranial nerves, in fact, all the cranial nerves are also in pairs, and the vagus nerve is no different. Okay. But um, unlike some of the others, the, the different sides of the vagus nerve are different lengths. So the left side is like super duper long, and the right side is a little bit shorter, but it has some some pretty uh, important functions. Um, the cranial nerves can be both, can be either sensory, so they are sending information from the body to the brain, letting the brain know, know, like know what's up, mm-hmm. or they can be motor, the brain telling the body to do something. Mm, okay. And some of them do both, and the vagus nerve does both. Okay. So it's about 80 or 90% sensory, wow. um, but it has the, the motor function that it does is like super duper important. But mm. we as singers and the singing teachers, we pay a lot of attention to it because the vagus nerve innervates our larynx. And mm. we'll get into more of the detail of that later on. But that's, that's why we focus on it so much as singers. Now, um, the vagus nerve, vagus, is a Latin word that means wanderer. Um, we have the same, the same root word for um, vagabond or vague. Okay, I did not know that. Yeah, I often call it the vagabond nerve because sometimes it just, you know, is like dumb. <laughs> sometimes it makes my, makes my body and my brain do dumb things. <laughs> you know? And so it's a little bit of a, it can be a little bit of a, a jerk sometimes. <laughs> um, but because it's so long, um, it travels down, like it kind of tracks along with the carotid and the jugular veins in your mm-hmm. neck mm-hmm. on both sides. And then it kind of splits off. And on the left side, it connects to almost every organ that's in your chest and in your belly wow. and all the way down to like your reproductive organs and stuff like that. So it, it connects everything. Mm. And so because it's sensory on that side in particular, it makes a ton of sense if you really think about how everything is connected from your guts to your bladder to your your um, your heart and your lungs and your voice. Like when you get nervous, why you get voice mm. tightening and you're, you get the butterflies in your stomach mm-hmm. and, and sometimes you gotta feel like you got to pee if you get like stage fright I or know something that like feeling. that. Yes. It's that nerve being its vagabond self, you know, and just everything is so connected. And so it's sharing all of those nerve signals. And so um, that's one reason why our entire body can be affected when we get that little adrenaline boost and that nerve gets a little overexcited. Wow. Wow. That is so helpful. Yeah. And so there's, there's been some talk about like, um, and I'm going to just admit straight out that I don't know enough about this to be very you know knowledgeable. I'm just going to throw it out. You know, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of talk in the last few years about like vagal tone, vagal toning, you know, and trying mm. to kind of hack the vagus nerve by using humming and things like that to kind of help mm. regulate those, those signals. Um, again, I don't know enough about it to be able to say whether it works or not. I really sure. have not found much research looking into that, but, um, um, sometimes, 
you know, our best practices come before the research, you know, the research kind of comes along behind. Sure. Um, and so I think it's definitely something to experiment with, you know, mm-hmm. getting to know your vagus nerve. It is inside your body. And while it can sometimes have, you know, pardon the pun, but a little bit of a mind of its own, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if we can kind of start to learn how to um, be friends with it. And I think even just being aware that what we're feeling when we have all that throat tightening and stomach churning and, you know, overactive bladder feelings and all of that stuff, that is a a physiological response. It starts in the brain and it's, it's not something wrong with you. Mm. You know, it is, it is a response that your, your brain and your nerves are going through. And so I think sometimes even just being aware of that and cause I think maybe, maybe it's me that sometimes stage fright can feel like like a fault, like I'm doing something wrong. Oh, yes. Very good point. Yeah. And so if I just, you know, take a breath and acknowledge that this is, this is a real thing. It's not a phantom feeling, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me. It actually kind of means that my body is working the way that it's supposed to. Sure. Um, It can help me be a little kinder to myself. I'm really glad you brought that up because I think you know, with feeling that something is wrong or you're doing something wrong, it's a common experience for a lot of our singers of all ages. But also this feeling that this is only happening to me. Mm-hmm. And and being able to explain to our students in greater detail, no, it, this happens to all of us and this is what is happening can be a wonderful teaching strategy. Mm-hmm. I think too, you know, because um, these responses, these, these, um, Responses to threats really is what Mm -hmm. uh, stage fright really is or nervous nervousness before a performance. And it can even happen, you know, uh, for some students, especially early on in the relationship, even, you know, at in a voice lesson. Sure. It can feel very scary. You know, that that is our our brain telling us to pay attention to this this perceived threat, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're not being chased by bears like our our cavemen brothers and sisters were, but that, that response is still the same as, as if we were being, you know, like chased by a bear, you know, millennia ago. And so if we just acknowledge that it's a completely normal thing, I don't think, in my opinion, that we have to, I don't think that the, the mark for success um, is getting rid of those feelings. Mm-hmm. I think the mark of success is being able to acknowledge those those feelings are there mm-hmm. and work with them rather than working, trying to suppress them. I think if we just try to suppress our right. feelings of, of fright or whatever, they just they they tend to have a, a habit of busting through. They'll come out in other ways. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And so um, and so, kind of you know, experimenting with um, with these ideas of vagal toning and, and, um, and, and humming and everything because the voice is so connected again to, uh, because all those organs are connected to the voice, the voice is also connected to all those other organs. Mm. And so, um, there's, there seems to be an idea and it makes a lot of sense to me, even though I'm not, I'm not, not too knowledgeable about it, that if we just connect those things up, um, and get those, those nerve signals to kind of, um, regulate in, in, um, in a more calming way mm-hmm. that we might be able to, to just get your body to kind of calm down and sure. work the way that you would, you would like it to. Wow. That is so helpful. 
um, thank you for that that introduction. Now, we we are going to expand on this. Yeah, we're going to expand <laughs> on this. Um, give everybody like a little overview for our next little segment when you come back. So, what? How are we going to expand with the vagus nerve into more uh, detail? Sure. So um, it's not just one nerve branch that innervates the the voice. There's actually some really cool distinctions in how the vagus nerve um, innervates the larynx. Um, and I, I had a lot of fun uh, reviewing this anatomy because it's just really, really super cool. <laughs> and um, so we'll talk about how each of those little branches um, gets into your voice in particular. Oh, I love that. That is so exciting. So that we're going to follow up this this little segment with the uh, with even more deliciously detailed knowledge of about the vagus nerve. Um, Heather, how can people find you, follow you, get more of you? Where do you want people to go? Absolutely. So please follow me along on the socials on Instagram or on Facebook. You can at me at Dr. Heather Nelson. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I love to post these little little anatomy videos, the five-minute pedagogy classes. Um, you can sign up for my, um, my mailing list and I send out little, little um, previews of what I'm going to send oh, out on the socials and stuff. Yeah, and um, Sunday pun day is my favorite thing. So um, every Sunday there is a one of my favorite puns from the week that goes out on my socials. I love um, it. And so I'd love for you to follow along with that. And oh. my website, of course, is drheathernelson.com. Heather, thank you. I'm going to put links to all of your socials and your website uh, in the show notes. And I, I highly want to encourage everybody to sign up for your newsletter and follow you. I really enjoy your posts and I love your passion for all things science, anatomy and brain related. So thank you so much. And we will have you back to finish up our conversation on the vagus nerve. I'm so excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> A very special thank you to my guests, Meredith Colby, to Kenya Battle, and Dr. Heather Nelson. Thank you, ladies, for your expertise and your passion uh, for all things in our industry. The Full Voice Podcast is recorded and produced in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. The original music is written by my husband, Sean Trotter. Don't try to steal him, ladies. He is all mine. If you would like more information about the guests or any of the links mentioned in the show, please check the show notes or visit the podcast page. As always, full voice music is dedicated in making teaching fun and easy. Please visit our website, check out our free resources, download the sample package and try some of our resources with your students. We guarantee that you will see smiles and your students will leave your studio with a big smile on their face. As always, I am wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing. Made by Canoe Music Productions.